Hi, everyone. This is Frank Fear, and you're listening to Joy P. and Frank. It's the Super Bowl edition. You know, the season has wound down to the last weekend. It's Super Bowl weekend, and millions upon millions of people will be watching and listening, not only across the country this Sunday, but around the world. In the preseason, Joey picked the Rams and the Chiefs to play in Super Bowl 56. Well, one team made it, the other team lost in the conference championship game. So now the Rams go up against an unexpected and surprising foe, the Cincinnati Bengals. How many of us thought we'd be saying those words? But it's a team that is now the gold standard for going from worst to first. Well, who'll win on Sunday? Joey picks the Rams. 32 to 29 in a close game, and he's here to tell you why. With that, here's Joe Platania. Well, thank you very much, Frank, as always. Great to be back with you after the bye week and the Pro Bowl and other insignificant things. And it's episode 26. We're talking about Super Bowl 56. Oh, my God, that just tells you how the years go by. The first Super Bowl I ever saw was Super Bowl three, and for a little kid that's lived all his life in Baltimore, that was a rude introduction into the real world. Uh, you know, I made the mistake of asking my dad, who was having some friends over to watch that game, whether the Baltimore Colts were going to win, and little did I know how much little he knew about football. He said, sure, they're going to win. And, of course, we all know what happened in that game, and, of course, I'm bawling like the little brat that I was, not because the Colts lost, because my dad lied to me. <laughs> Uh, because uh, the Colts, of course, lost that game. And uh, I found out at a very early age, you can't always uh, get what you want. But I've I've seen that game in every Super Bowl ever since, uh, full of highs and lows and wonderful memories for a football fan and then a football journalist and uh, lots of predictions. And I've been pretty lucky with my Super Bowl score picks. I hit one right on the nose, Super Bowl 25, when Scott Norwood went wide right. And it always seems like I'm picking on you and your Buffalo Bills. I'm not. It's just the way things happen. But I did have a Giants 20, Bills 19. And when Norwood missed, that was the score of that game. And I've been pretty close on a few other Super Bowl scores. And if anybody read my Super Bowl preview on the sports column uh, last weekend, they know what my uh, score pick was. And we'll revisit that in just a few minutes. But I also had my uh, mega Super Bowl preview on the sports column. And uh, they'll they'll know that... Uh, I, I, I do it in the uh, style of my Raven opponent previews. They'll know that uh, the, the game, of course, is at uh, SoFi Stadium. They've expanded it to fit uh, just over 100,000 fans. It's the third different Super Bowl stadium in the Los Angeles area. Uh, eight, the eighth Super Bowl to be in the L.A. area. Uh, 11 uh, 11 Super Bowls in the, in the New Orleans area. That's kind of the leader in the clubhouse now. But uh, SoFi is on the grounds of the former Hollywood Park racetrack, first in Southern California to host the game since uh, Super Bowl 27 at the Rose Bowl. Cowboys and those Buffalo Bills, here I go picking on them again. And when the Cowboys won three in a four-year span, that was the first one. And it was the fourth of Buffalo's four straight losses. And... Uh, SoFi is also the 26th different stadium to host a Super Bowl, the 19th one indoors. 
among individual stadiums. The Caesars Superdome in New Orleans has hosted the most with seven, and it's already booked to host Super Bowl 59 in uh, three years' time. There's also been six Super Bowls held at college stadiums. All sorts of great trivial notes in my uh, mega Super Bowl preview. Uh, it's uh, it's going to be uh, kind of strange to see that the Los Angeles Rams are the designated visiting team. Yes, they will be the visiting team in their own stadium. Uh, they're practicing at their own uh, training facility, but they're going to be wearing white jerseys and yellow pants for the game. Uh, they'll be, I believe they'll be using the visitor's dressing room at SoFi because uh, the, uh, the Bengals will be using the home visiting room the home dressing room, they'll be wearing black tops and white pants, even though they had a losing record in that combo this year. But uh, the home team has jersey choice, and they chose to wear black tops and um, white pants. They'll be uh, practicing at UCLA this week, uh, while, the, like I said, the Rams will be using their own facility. Um, there have been many uh, teams with jersey choice to, use, to choose white, even though that is rare. But teams that wear white, this is important. Teams that wear white, whether they have jersey choice or not, have won 14 of the last 17 Super Bowls. You would think that the Bengals would know that, and they've had to wear white most of the way through the playoffs, but uh, they chose to wear black, and the Rams will wear white. So uh, the Bengals, 13-7 and seven, AFC North Division champions, they were the fourth seed. The Rams, 15-5 and five, NFC West champions. And how many times have I mentioned these two divisions were the best in football? I've gone back and forth as to which division was the best, but now these divisions have sent two teams to the Super Bowl. I guess it shouldn't be much of a surprise when you really stop and think about it. Both were the fourth seed. Uh, of course, uh, NBC will have the game. Al Michaels, Chris Collinsworth, Michelle Tafoya, who will be retiring after the game, and Catherine Tappan will be on the sidelines and on national radio through Westwood One. The great Kevin Harlan will be calling his 12th Super Bowl. He'll be working with Kurt Warner and Laura Oakman and Mike Golick will be on the sidelines. Ron Torbert will be the ref. It'll be the first time he will ref the Super Bowl. Uh, when you look at the field, uh, you'll see that the uh, as the home team, the Bengals will probably have the sideline on the near side of the field, closest to the main television camera with the uh, their logo in the right side end zone and the Rams will have the sideline on the far side with their logo in the left side end zone. The NFL shield will be painted at midfield, and the, uh, the Super Bowl logo will be painted at the 25-yard lines on either side of the field. So just in case you can't see the game, and I don't know why you wouldn't, a lot of people will be watching it. Uh, if you're reduced to watching the game or you can't see it at all, that should be able to paint a, a bit of a mental picture for you. Uh, as to uh, what everything is going to be looking like uh, right there at SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles. Yeah, Joe, I might mention, um, uh, for those who have been listening to us all season long and reading you on the sports column, uh, you picked the Rams to uh, be in the Super Bowl and KC, and uh, you came close to uh, having both of those uh, predictions come true. Congratulations there. And let me just reinforce what you uh, have been talking about in terms of your, your Super Bowl preview, which is on the sports column. It is uh, for anybody who has any interest in football, 
uh, Super Bowl in particular, the NFL, it is a educational piece because you go into the history of the Super Bowl with a variety of facts and details, uh, and it really provides a tremendous overview of not just the Super Bowl game, but let's call it what it is, the Super Bowl institution, because it has become uh, a national institution, quite educational. And uh, let's now segue into your pick uh, for the game. You, uh, you foresee a close game uh, and uh, you like the Rams, uh, continue to like the Rams. So uh, let's dive in, Joe, to the game itself. Yeah, I, I do like the Rams. Uh, I, I as, as as people know who have seen the preview because it ran last weekend. Uh, I, I went back a bit in history for the score of the game. Thirty two twenty nine Rams. That's my pick. I think this is going to be a a very entertaining Super Bowl. These teams, as with most Super Bowl matchups, they don't see each other that often. They're from opposite conferences, which means regular season wise, they only meet once every four years, and because they're from, uh, you know, varying time zones. One's in the Eastern time zone, one's in the West. I'm guessing they haven't met that often in preseason action either, which it really wouldn't matter. But just the same, teams that are located that far apart from each other don't meet that often, even in the preseason. So um, I took the 32-29 from several factors. First of all, the Super Bowl can provide a lot of nerves from a lot of people that haven't been there. You know, we've had a lot of uh, blown extra points, two-point conversions, missed two-point conversions, safeties. There have been a lot of safeties in Super Bowl history. So you come up with really weird numbers in Super Bowl score lines. Uh, so if you're playing those block pools, you know, a lot of people play block pools in Super Bowls. Uh, if, you get, if you get a 7 and an O and you're thinking you're really happy, don't be because those numbers might not be as good for a Super Bowl as they would be for a regular football game. You know, 32-29 actually was the score of a Super Bowl. It was Super Bowl 38 in Houston between the New England Patriots and the Carolina Panthers. Uh, that's uh, that's how that game ended with a two and a nine. Uh, I, I foresee the same thing kind of happening with this game here. Uh, just just uh, to, to fill in the blank there. Uh, you you had in that Super Bowl 38, which was the night Janet Jackson revealed more than she wanted to, by the way. Uh, what happened was uh, Ricky Prohl of the Panthers, one, the only man to catch two game-tying passes in Super Bowl history. He caught a touchdown pass with about a minute to go. So, uh, you know, it looked like that game was headed to overtime. But the Panthers, who had a really fine kicker named John Casey, well, what did Casey do on the ensuing kickoff? He kicked it out of bounds. So the Patriots not only needed to drive down and get a field goal to win the game, they, they only had to go a few yards because they started on the 40. So they started on the 40. They drove to only a few yards, got Vinatieri to kick a field goal. They won the game 32-29. So, you know, as, as young a team, as dynamic a team as Cincinnati is, maybe it's a mistake on their part that gives the Rams a Super Bowl victory because let's face it, they were in the Super Bowl just three years ago. Sure, they got schooled by the defensive genius that is Bill Belichick. It was a 13-3 to game. But let's also remember they were facing Bill Belichick, and they also did not have Cooper Cup for the game because he was injured. So I, that's why I feel this is the Rams' time. The Bengals just kind of sort of appeared out of nowhere. I'm not taking anything away from what the Bengals have done because when you draft a quarterback and you draft a good one, 
this is what can happen. But uh, this is why I feel the Rams can win because they uh, they've they've been there. They've they've done it a little bit more recently than the Bengals have, and uh, they've got a, a really good offensive line. And the, the Bengals' defensive line has been a bit banged up. Uh, they have to, uh, Trey Hendrickson must be accounted for, but I think the Rams have the kind of offensive line that can keep them occupied. And Eli Apple is the kind of guy, he's a former first round pick of the giants, but he's the kind of the weak link of the Bengals secondary. And if he can be picked on by that, uh, by that Rams receiving core, which is mostly healthy, Tyler Higby, the tight end uh, did not uh, participate in the first walkthrough practice, but he's the only real injury concern. I think uh, the Rams will be able to play ball control, uh, win time of possession, and uh, keep the ball away from Joe Burrow and his cadre of receivers. So uh, uh, it's it's a ball control kind of game. Uh, whoever has the more varied offense and who can ever uh, can ever gain the yards and put the points on the board, going to win. And you know, Joe, it's interesting you bring up Cooper Cup. You can't talk about this game without talking about him. One of the other writers at the sports column. Uh, Lorenz Baker also picks the Rams to win. But what was interesting about his take this week, he begins the article by talking about Cooper Cup. And he doesn't just begin with Cup's performance with the Rams. He goes back to Eastern Washington. Um, you know, Cup was not a name highlight uh, game because he played for a football championship division team. But if you look at the stats, uh, what he put up for Eastern Washington uh, back in college, when you looked at his stats nationally and then compared uh, that to the stats he put up this year for the Rams, they are eerily similar. This guy just gets open. Uh, and now he has a quarterback uh, in Matt, Matthew Stafford who just, you know, scopes him out. And, uh, you know, that's not to deny the tremendous trio of receivers that Joe Burrow has on the other side. But anybody who's a student of football, watching Cooper Cup run those routes is just a thing of beauty. He is, uh, he is an exquisite football player. It's not a word you often uh, apply to football, but he really is. He's consummate as a wide receiver. So uh, I'm with you. I mean, the Rams, um, they're uh, close, as close to a complete team you're going to get. On the other hand, um, and I'll stop with this point. It's awfully difficult for a team that has not been there, has had more misery than successes, to go all the way from uh, last to first, so to speak, in such a short time. It, it takes a while. Maybe the, maybe the Bengals are different, but if they were to win on Sunday, it really would be uh, quite a story because that's not what teams ordinarily uh, end up doing, even when they turn the corner. It takes the time, takes some time to get to the top. Yeah, Bengals are only the fifth team to go from a last place finish uh, to a Super Bowl appearance. And I'm glad Lorenz pointed out the Eastern Washington connection because uh, uh, J Jimmy Garoppolo played for an FCS team because uh, the last loss he had for a, a couple of like a two year period was uh, to my uh, alma mater, the Towson Tigers in the FCS playoffs. Uh, and then once he be became an NFL or he didn't lose for a couple of years. Uh, so I, I love pointing that out uh, because because uh, I went to an FCF school. I was a student and a broadcaster there. But um, but, uh, you know, I, our, our, our team went to the um, FCS championship game in 2013 where North Dakota State beat us. 
But, uh, you know, the FCS, uh, formerly known as Division One AA, uh, it's, there's a good, uh, good brand of football being played there. And you can have guys like, uh, like uh, 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 Cooper Cup and uh, Jimmy Garoppolo and, uh, and Tony Robo coming out of there. And, and uh, oh, and by the way, uh, our school featured a, a guy who's uh, been uh, not, uh, eligible for the Hall of Fame for quite a while, a great punter named Sean Landetta who I hope will be inducted into Canton in a few years. Well, hopefully we can uh, wait and see on that. But uh, for, the, uh, for the degenerates out there, for the gamblers, which, of which I am not one, because uh, the only spread I care about is butter or margarine, and I don't play fantasy football either. While you watch the game as you go through the game, just remember, teams that win the coin toss, they're 23-32 and 32 in the Super Bowls, and they've lost the last seven straight games. And ever since deferring the choice became an option, teams that have done so have lost the game nine out of 12 times. Uh, Super Bowl 44 was the only time New Orleans became the only team so far to elect to receive in the deferral era. It won the game over the Indianapolis Colts. And teams that have led at halftime, teams that have led at halftime, get this, they are 40 and 11 in the Super Bowl. Four games have been tied at the half. Super Bowl 54, San Fran and Kansas City, Super Bowl 49, New England and Seattle, Super Bowl 39, New England and Philly, and Super Bowl 23, Cincinnati and San Francisco, which was a 3-3 tie at halftime. The last time the Bengals were in the Super Bowl was one of only four times where it was tied at halftime. Now, if one of these teams should get off to a hot start, and like I said, I see a back-and-forth game, a lot of lead changes. I don't see one of these teams getting off to a hot start. But teams that trail by double-digit margins at halftime of a Super Bowl are 1-25. and 25. And you can probably guess which one was the one. New England coming back over Atlanta at the Super Bowl five years ago when they came back from 28-3 to three down. Uh, special teams could play a role here. Uh, we know uh, Cincinnati has a really fine rookie kicker in Evan McPherson. Matt Gay is a, a really fine kicker for the uh, – the Rams and Johnny Hecker has been one of the league's best punters uh, for a good long while. Special teams might turn out to be a draw here. Uh, I was I was holding my breath all year when it came to the Green Bay Packers racking up 13 wins for a third straight season, which no team had ever done. But you just knew special teams was going to come back to bite them, and it did. Green Bay had the worst special teams in the league, according to the annual Gosselin survey. But these two teams placed a lot better than they did. And in that annual survey has been dominated by none other than the Baltimore Ravens for the last uh, decade or so. But special teams here, they're both pretty good. And I see that being a bit of a wash. There have been uh, 10 kick return scores in Super Bowl history, but only four of them by members of the eventual winning team. So if somebody in this game coming up has a kick return score, the chances are slightly better than half that that team is going to lose the game. But as, like I said, I covered uh, the Canadian Football League for a couple of years when they had a franchise in Baltimore. CFL coaches would always tell me special teams will win you or cost you maybe two or three games a year. Well, certainly uh, that was the case this year with the Packers, wasn't it? You kept on pointing out uh, they're the worst special teams uh, group in the NFL, and it, it really bit them. Uh, in that game against the 49ers. I was mentioning, I was going to mention too, Joe, you talked about uh, 
the uh, coin toss and who wins at halftime and, and gambling. Uh, there's another article uh, this week at the uh, sports column written by uh, Jacob Noel from Knoxville, Tennessee. In that article, he has about 25, lists about 25 different prop bets that are available. You know, in the old days, it used to be the line and maybe the money line. Uh, and, and now the, the prop bet side has just grown and grown and grown and grown. And uh, that's what a lot of people play on places, platforms like DraftKings right on your iPhone. So it's just incredible. But uh, uh, what are some of the other um, issues, uh, angles that you see for this game, Joe? Well, you know, I tried to uncover a few things, too, without getting into the, the betting part of it. Uh, uh, Jacob and all his friends can uh, can 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 uh, uh, can uh, take take everybody uh, to take everybody to the to the schoolroom for that. Uh, I, I uh, looked over all the box scores and I found that there have been 13 missed extra point kicks during Super Bowls and only 10, 10 two point conversions. And let's not forget the two point conversion did not come to the NFL until 1994. Uh, trivia note there, uh, Tom Tupa of the Cleveland Browns was the first person to score one. Uh, two of each have failed in, in Super Bowl 52 for, for a note there. There have been six fumble returns for Super Bowl touchdowns, including two by Dallas in Super Bowl 28 against Buffalo. Sorry. Teams are four and two when accomplishing that feat including wins by the last four straight teams that have done so. There have been 15 interception returns for scores in Super Bowls. Dwight Smith had two of them in Super Bowl 37, but only one by a member of the eventual losing team. So anybody who runs back an interception for a touchdown, I don't call it a pick six because to me that's a horse racing term. But anyway, anybody who runs back an interception for a touchdown in a Super Bowl, their team is 14-1. and one. The only one who's done it as a member of a losing team was Robert Alford of the Atlanta Falcons, who did it against New England in Super Bowl 51. Now, the Rams and Cincinnati, this, this I think is kind of important, even though, like I said, Super Bowl teams usually haven't met that often because they're from opposite conferences. But uh, the Rams and Cincinnati, they haven't played each other that often. Uh, the league schedule formula only has teams from opposite conferences meeting every four years or so. It's Cincinnati that leads the head-to-head, 8-6. to six. The Rams, as a matter of fact, had lost three in a row to the Bengals before beating them in 2019. Uh, even though the uh, new interconference placement game, that 17th game in the schedule, was inserted into the schedule as an extra game with the NFC West and AFC North meeting this year, but these teams did not meet in 2021. The Bengals played San Francisco at home and lost. The Rams got to go to Baltimore, and that's where they wrapped up the NFC West by winning a tough game against the Ravens, 20-19. to Wow, that's incredible. That's incredible. You know, Joe, I was thinking about um, those who are picking the Bengals, uh, and I know you uh, intimated in the article ways in which the Bengals might be able to prevail. Um, but that wasn't the primary purpose of, of your writing that article. Uh, most of the reviews that I've read, uh, like you picking the Rams, uh, many of those articles for reasons you've outlined, what under, give us some scenarios uh, where you think the Bengals might prevail on Sunday. Well, the Bengals, uh, 
the Bengals could win by getting big plays. Uh, they, they have youth, they have speed. Uh, the, as the Ravens painfully found out, if, if you don't tackle them, you, you can't win. It, you, you, your tackling has to be fundamentally sound. You have to keep these receivers in front of you. You have to be able to keep your head up. You have to keep your head on a swivel. You have to know where these receivers are. Uh, if if uh, the Bengals don't have C.J. Uzoma, their tight end with a knee injury, that's their main injury uh, concern. Um, you know, it, it'll help you if he's not on the field. Like I said, uh, uh, Tyler Higby, both both starting tight ends are, are a bit banged up. Uh, but that, that usually teams come into a Super Bowl healthy. That's why you have the two week break, so you have teams to, to be healthy. So Higby for the Rams, Uzoma for the Bengals. Um, they, they might not play, but uh, of course the teams hope that they will. But uh, if, if you can uh, if you can tackle the Bengals receivers, if you can just slow them down, don't let them get behind you. Don't let them get the big play. Don't let Joe Mixon get the big play out of the backfield because he's a lot more dangerous as a receiver out of the backfield than he is as a running back. At least I've seen him play a lot against the Ravens, and as a running back, he hasn't done a lot of damage against Baltimore, but swinging out of the backfield, running those wheel routes, running down the seams. He, uh, he does get a lot of yardage. He does get a lot of productivity. So if the Bengals get the explosive plays, they get the big plays. And if they, if they get their pass rush going with Trey Hendrickson and their defensive line, Larry Ogunjobi, who got a bit banged up during the playoffs, uh, if, if they can get big plays on both sides of the ball, then the Bengals can certainly win. It, it, it won't matter to them that they were they were four eleven and one last year and two and fourteen the year before. That kind of stuff goes out the window when you can make big plays. Yeah, the the, the problem obviously the holes in that scenario uh, is that to get the ball to those great receivers, he has to stay Burrow. That is has to stay upright. And the Bengals' offensive line has not done a very good job of protecting him this year. Something like 50 sacks, if I have my numbers right. Uh, and and Burrow is mobile. He's not uh, he's not more of a statue-like uh, quarterback. And so, with the Rams having their their great defenders, including uh, folks like Aaron Donald, that's asking a lot. So that's one of the things I'm going to be looking for early. Uh, can um, can Burrow uh, stay in the pocket without uh, getting toppled by that uh, Rams front four? We'll just have to see. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, it's uh, it's 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 a, it's a different kind of matchup, and uh, I, I've often uh, criticized this uh, short attention pan, quick thinking, knee jerk reacting, superficial society that always wants new blood. You know. <laughs> Uh, competing for championships, uh, the, the society that doesn't respect dynasties, you know, the, the, the way I do. I mean, uh, if, if, I, know, I know people who were um, sick and tired of Kansas City after the first Super Bowl they won, you know, and, and, and they were very happy that Kansas City lost last year's game. And I was thinking, wait a minute, they haven't done what New England's done. Why do you hate them already? But, you know, they, they're, they're happy to see new blood in the Super Bowl and and you know, I just don't get it, but uh, that's uh, that's just uh, just the way uh, people react these days. I don't, I don't remember uh, in the '70s. I don't remember people really hating on the Steelers, or in the '80s, people hating on the 49ers. 
But in the 90s, I remember people hating on Dallas because everybody hates on Dallas. Uh, that's just, it's just a mystery to me how the fan base works. Um, but uh, the, the, the Bengals, they're 8-14 and 14 lifetime in the postseason, tied with Cleveland for the third worst winning percentage. And yet everybody seems to love these uh, cuddly little losers. And yet the Rams are 25-27. and 27. They're, they're ranking only 17th best, a very up-and-down postseason history. And yet, I, you know, I don't see anybody embracing them. So it, it's, mm-hmm. it, the fans are fickle, as we well know. And, uh, you know, people are just going to, you know, put out their party platters and drink a lot and hopefully not drive and uh, hopefully, hopefully enjoy this game and get the ratings back up to where they should be. As I, as I think I pointed out a couple weeks ago, Last year's game fell below a 40 rating for the first time in a long time. And uh, I guess that's due to the uh, many different platforms available to watch the game. But uh, it's concerning. So uh, the way you calculate the ratings, the way people watch the game, uh, a few things are going to have to change to get that number back up, if indeed it's ever going to come back up. Yeah, no question. And and you're absolutely correct. I think it's uh, it would actually be foolhardy. Uh, not to connect uh, uh, broader forces or ex- uh, accentuation points in society with football or other things. Uh, and so, you know, in this case, you've got, uh, you know, the West Coast um, is uh, almost in another country for for many folks in this country. Um, and you've got the Cincinnati Bengals, heart of the Midwest, blue collar uh, kind of uh, operation. Uh, and also, you know, when you think about it, um, there are just good reasons why people would say, wow, let's, uh, let's go with the Bengals in this game. And so they're, I would say in many cases, they're the popular choice, even though most of the ana- analysts save uh, a feature article in the New York Times today, of all places, uh, picking the Bengals to win. Um, Joe, one of the things I wanted to explore is uh, any thoughts you have about uh, some of the uh, uh, storylines about the NFL that uh, are now in the picture that that weren't in the picture uh, uh, two weeks ago when we did our last program. Uh, just pick one of these. There are others that you might want to talk about. See what your thoughts are. First is the Flores uh, lawsuit. And one of the interesting issues there, uh, in fact, this links to another uh, writer uh, for the sports column, uh, Jared Good, who's a law student at Penn State, who points out that it's not just about hiring African-American coaches and other coaches from diverse backgrounds, but also there it's a class action suit. And there, there, there is an allegation there that owners uh, attempted to bribe, let's put a nice label on it, provided financial incentives for coaches, at least two coaches, both of whom uh, coaches of color to tank their teams, uh, the Browns and the uh, and the Dolphins. Uh, and the other story that I think just broke yesterday is the possibility. And it, when you think about it, it makes sense. The possibility that John Gruden could uh, reclaim his career, or at least take the next step forward, if uh, if Nick Saban were to hire him as the offensive coordinator. And as you know, Saban has um, helped a number of coaches who have fallen off the pedestal uh, in in the college ranks and in the NFL. Uh, He's given them a lifeline and many of them have taken advantage of that and gone on to 
to be head coaches at other other NFL uh, programs and college programs. Do you want to make any comments about either or both of those, or are there other storylines in the NFL you want to say a few words about? Well, Jared is right to point that out. I mean, Saban uh, Saban is a believer in, uh, I think, what most people believe in that uh, life is about second chances. And if uh, anybody has, uh, I think, earned a second chance, it's John Gruden. I mean, what better place to, to rehabilitate your career and your image than the University of Alabama? Because uh, chances are you're going to win right away. I mean, that uh, that would be a heck of a plausible place for that to happen. And as for the Flores thing, uh, I mean, speaking only for myself, and let's underline that 10 times, speaking only for myself, I, I totally believe that there was a bit of a, a hiring bias, a hiring bias, and I totally believe that teams were encouraged to tank because the parity is just getting tighter and tighter and tighter now, and teams are more and more desperate to get their nose in front uh, in any way, shape, or form possible uh, to to um, to separate themselves from the pack, whether that it means getting a higher draft pick to get that better player, uh, especially a team like Cleveland who can seemingly never get it right, a team like Miami who seemingly is stuck in mediocrity, mediocrity forever. It wouldn't surprise me if they would do or try anything at all, even outside the bounds of ethics, to get the the best player they can to try to separate themselves from the pack. It would not shock me if they would go outside the bounds of propriety to get the kind of player that would seemingly make a difference the way Joe Burrow has made for the Bengals. I mean, it just would not surprise me. If I'm wrong, I will come on here and say I'm sorry to the entire world. But uh, it wouldn't surprise me if they would uh, do something improper like that. But uh, we'll have to wait and see. But uh, I, I, I commend Jared for writing that story, and uh, hopefully uh, – we, uh, this, these sorts of things will come to a resolution rather soon, and we'll uh, we'll see who's right. Yeah, in fact, if anything, with the uh, with the Bengals, it's not a disconnection to the Flores lawsuits. But if you look, I think if you look at what the Bengals have done um, in such short order, going from from uh, last to first, it's going to put even more pressure on other other clubs. If the Bengals can do it, why can't you do it? So there's going to be more pressure on general managers, more pressure uh, on head coaches to deliver the goods in warp speed. Um, and uh, I agree with you with respect to the to the pressure because those those draft choices are extremely important uh, and is a, they're obviously a means for teams to make. Uh, to, to make uh, a move in a relatively short period of time. And I also wanted to mention that uh, to uh, give credit where credit is due, uh, that the uh, article about Gruden, and I'm trying to get it uh, up here on my phone, I had it and I lost it, um, was in the heavy.com uh, and it was written by Austin Boyd. Uh, so I wanted to make that clear. Uh, that was the Gruden. Okay. And, and, and his argument, it makes sense is, it's if Gruden is going to go back to college, there is probably no other place he could go uh, and, and where the head coach wouldn't be in great trouble for even proposing it than Alabama. Um, you know, we know that, you know, coaches like Rick Pitino, uh, he's rejuvenated his career after the Louisville debacle, uh, debacle by going to Iona. Uh, but that's uh, that's a whole different ballgame because he did not go into the big time 
uh, he had to drop down to uh, Iona, which is a, a low mid-major. But Alabama clearly is not a low mid-major. It's uh, a national champion caliber team, obviously. And where else would, would, um, would uh, Gruden be able to go? Uh, but I agree with you. I think that, uh, I think that uh, uh, Jared Good really hit the nail on the head. And obviously, we're just going to see how this is adjudicated. Well, Joe, I just want to tell yeah. you that I've enjoyed uh, being with you this season. Uh, you know, you you have the numbers better than I. Is this what our twenty fourth or twenty fifth show of the of the year? I can't. Uh, I didn't uh, look. Twenty six. Twenty. This is number twenty six. Wow, twenty six programs. Well, it's been a joy for me. I know you uh, will join me in thanking the listeners who have listened in this year, and uh, we look forward, uh, uh, God willing, to be back uh, next year. We'll have a few programs before the season starts. Uh, and then we'll be doing what we did this year, if all goes well, and that is a week by week. Um, hopefully next year, the Ravens will do much better. That was the, uh, the real downside of this season. But let me turn it back to you for final comments uh, before we sign off. Well, what, what can I say, Frank? It's been an absolute joy working with you, and uh, we'll keep doing it on the Sports Column website, thesportscol.com. We'll continue plugging the site and putting stuff up there on, on local radio here. Uh, but for, for now, let's, uh, let's keep our focus uh, on the Super Bowl. Uh, 150000 per man for the winners, 75000 per man for the runners-up. It's the ninth straight year that the payouts are going up. Uh, it's a big money business, this, uh, this game of football. 30-second uh, advertising spot, $6 million to $6.2 million. Oh boy, they're raking it in, aren't they? So, it's uh, it's it's going to be a, a heck of a game, a heck of a night. Halftime show, I'm not that crazy about. I'm an old salt. Give me my McCartney. Give me my uh, U2. Uh, give, give me Rod Stewart. Give me the Beach Boys. The, the, those those acts they're going to have on at halftime, I just just don't care for very much. Yeah. But just the same, just the same. It's going to be a fun Super Bowl. It's going to be a an exciting off season. We're going to have our AFC North player movement chart on the site uh, four or five times throughout the uh, the off season. And uh, as the Ravens get cranked up to try to recover from a six game losing streak in an eight and nine season, we'll see if they can uh, recover from a very rare last place finish. And we'll see if they can get back to the top of the AFC North where the defending AFC champions are going to be standing in their way. Yeah, you bet, Joe. It's been an honor. And a pleasure. And uh, again, Joe's prediction, Rams 32, the Bengals 29. Uh, for Joe Platania, this is Frank Fear. And as we always say, and it's going to be a longer time frame on it between now and the next time we get together. Everybody, please be good sports. Take care, everyone. A tug of war, 22 nameless men grappling in the mud. They called it 